0: Back to Bible folks, Where, what is the two men dressed in white? Where do we see that again in the book of Revelation? There are two witnesses, two prophets that come back in the book of Revelation just before this age ends. And so this passage, we've gone back to Genesis We've gone back to Exodus, and now Luke is connecting it all the way to what would become the book of Revelation. But these authors never compared notes. They didn't know what each other was writing. They had a clue, obviously, but they, there wasn't some great collaboration to try to brainwash the world. These aren't just coincidences. They are describing prophetically the same thing. We see these two men, dressed in white, who we will see again, the final two prophets found the book of Revelation and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, please note, that is where Jesus is right now, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus who left, will one day return. And he will return the same way he left. Same Jesus, same way. If plain English can have any meaning at all, this is an astonishing statement. This same Jesus will come back personally, literally, visibly, and bodily. Sounds absurd, doesn't it? We might add that this coming will also be unexpected. Do you know what Jesus was about to do when he he began to fly and was ascended up into heaven? He was reaching out, trying to bless his disciples, his 12 disciples, just like Jacob blessed his 12 sons. He's about to bless, and as he's blessing them, he was taken up from them. They didn't expect that. They didn't see that coming. When, 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 When the angel says, the same Jesus in the same way, not only will he return on the cloud, but it will be unexpected. Catch it, folks. We will not see this coming. It will be completely unanticipated by the entire world, just as unexpected as he was taken up from the apostles as they were walking with him. This same Jesus who was born in Bethlehem will come again. Same Jesus who grew up in Nazareth Will come again. The same Jesus who turned water into wine. Will come again. The same Jesus who healed the noble man's son. Will come again. The same Jesus who walked on water. Will come again. The same Jesus who was scourged. Whipped and beaten. And died on the cross. Will come again. The same Jesus who rose from the dead. Will come again. The same Jesus who ascended. That Jesus. That historical figure. From 2,000 years ago is coming again. Same Jesus, same way. Now let's talk about the way because there is a difference. The first time Jesus came, catch it, he was relatively unnoticed by the world. Where was he born? He was born in a barn. Born in a barn, dad cut the umbilical cord under the radar of everything in some backwoods province called Judea. When he comes again, Revelation chapter 1 says, every eye will see him. In his first coming, Jesus came humbly. In his second, he comes back as a king. In Jesus' first coming, he endures the mockery of men. And he still does today. But when he returns, the mockery shall be silenced. 2,000 years ago, as he's hanging on a cross, the Jewish leaders looked up and said, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. When he comes back, the Apostle Paul says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and they won't have to be convinced. It will be quite obvious who has the power in this universe. And it will be Jesus. Let me tell you real briefly how this is going to go down, and then we'll go into some application points, all right? I'm being, I'm stretching this out. If you want some additional information, the Bible's not unclear about this. There are certain details we do have, and there are certain ones we don't. When Christians get into trouble is when we try to fill in the details we don't have, and then, and then we look like fools. Let's just face it. But there are some things we do have. If you want some additional information, there should be an additional insert in your bulletin that outlines, you know, as clear as I could be, what the Bible has. And I have those scriptures there if you want to go look at them. Here's how it's going to go down. First, number one, if we die before Jesus returns, which I personally believe is likely, if we die before Jesus returns, we will be resurrected. You have to understand that. We do not live forever as ghosts. We, we don't have formless apparitions. God's intention for us is to live forever in a body. So we will rise as Jesus rose. Jesus' body had some similarities, some differences. We don't quite know what it's all going to be, but we know that we will be resurrected. That's if you're filling in notes. We will experience resurrection. A celestial, immortal body but nonetheless a physical body that will rise from the earth to the sky just as Jesus rose from the grave and eventually ascended into heaven. He had a bit of a layover with the 40 days with the apostles, but he ascended. We will essentially ascend the same way in that resurrected body. Number two, if we are alive, which there is a possibility, I will say this from a a reasonable standpoint, There is a small possibility because there are a few things that have lined up. One of the big ones is the nation of Israel. They have returned to their ancestral lands. That was very clearly prophesied. And for thousands of years, everybody thought, well, it'll never happen. In 1948, it does. So... In the small chance that this may happen in our lifetime, if we are alive, Jesus will come for us and we will experience rapture. We'll experience rapture. And that's just a, you know, it's a word that we don't use a lot, but it's to literally, it's like to be beamed up to the air. You will be instantaneously caught up in the air. And we will join all the followers of Jesus, past and present, with Jesus in the air. Where? I don't know. The troposphere, somewhere up there. uh, Maybe the air is a metaphor for heaven. Again, we don't want to elaborate on the details we don't have. We just elaborate on the ones we do. Third, at the end of the age, now we'll be caught up in the air. What we do in the meantime is we have what Revelation calls a wedding feast. Uh, In the final moments of earth, we actually get extricated from earth, we have a wedding feast with Jesus, and then we return with with Jesus and his angelic armies uh, for what is called the revelation. If you look at John chapter 1, he explains why he named his book The Revelation of Jesus Christ, because that is the plot of his book. And so if you're filling in your your notes here, Jesus will come back to earth with us and we will experience the revelation. For every human who's wondered, what about Jesus? What about God? This is the revelation. For those of you who have always thought, man, God should just show up and shake the earth and show the earth he is who he is and Jesus is who he is. He will. Absolutely. He's waiting. And he has good reasons for that. I'm really glad he did. If he would have come back 100 years ago, you wouldn't have had me. <laughs> but there will come a day when Jesus is revealed. It's, that's what the revelation is that he is the sole ruler and sustainer. Jesus will return with armies, but apparently he doesn't need them. The brightness of his glory and what what Revelation calls the sword of his mouth, but that's a metaphorical way of basically being able to say Jesus can speak the victory into existence. All the armies of the devil and all the human armies arrayed against him, he can literally speak and they are disarmed, their warfare comes to an end and they're defeated. So there's, you know, you can call it a war. There's no war when you're coming up against that kind of power. And Jesus' glory, Jesus' power, his right to rule will be revealed. And then fourth, we will live on earth with Jesus as sole ruler and we will experience his reign, his reign we will experience uh, what what Revelation calls a thousand-year period, which is probably not literal. That's probably a metaphorical phrase. Whether it's metaphorical, literal, or not, there will be an extended period where Jesus rules this earth in fulfillment of Genesis 49.10, Old Testament prophecy. Jesus will come, usher in an era of peace, prosperity, all injustices are gone and everything we could ever hope for in the land of the living is realized. Satan will be incarcerated. Now, for reasons I don't quite know and I have really looked at this and studied this. Again, the details are not given. I'm not going to try to pawn off on you. But Satan is released after that thousand year reign. The Bible says to tempt and deceive the nations once more. I don't know if God's given them one. I, 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 quite frankly, it's, it's a bit confusing, but it's there and it will happen. There will be one final attempt by Satan to usurp God and, and, and overthrow everything, and it will be the last straw. And then permanently, Satan will be imprisoned, and apparently a, a new Big Bang happens where there's a new heavens, a new earth, and then there's a permanent, eternal state where not just Jesus, but the fullness of God completely, as well as heaven and earth, combine. Jerusalem is a 2,500-mile-high 2, city, 2,500-mile-wide across, and 2500 length wide lengthwise. I don't know. Anyway, I know it's confusing. But, I mean, it's just incredible. And it's an eternal, permanent state. That is what Paul says beyond our wildest imagination. Now it's probably more than you ever wanted to know about the end of the world, but go to your application points for a moment. Point number one, it causes us to see with an eternal perspective. As a minister, even as a young minister, I've been a part of life, a part of people's lives. I've seen People walk out on their marriages. I've seen people destroy their kids. I've seen people get all proud and defensive over their work and their jobs. And you know what else I've seen? I've seen angry people. People who are mad at the world. And I just think, oh my goodness, you guys, this is temporary. This ain't it. This ain't worth, it ain't worth throwing away everything for this. Come on. We've got a future that's worth living for. We can set a few things aside we keep thinking the next week when God has given us a viewpoint that goes throughout all eternity. I'm not saying we neglect the next week. We don't, we don't sacrifice where we're going at the expense of where we're at. Does that make sense? I, I mean, in the in a, in a church I was at previously, um, there was a, a, a couple was in their 80s. And they were going to get a divorce. And I remember just thinking, why? I mean, after all these years, why? You know, what, 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 what I mean, can't, can't we, can't this be fixed somehow? There's another woman, <laughs> I just thought of her. We, I went, uh, I was helping out our senior pastor and he said, come here, I want, let's go in a prayer room and we'll pray for her. And she was praying because she had been cheated on some business deal and she was going to go to court and all that. And I'm thinking like small claims court, you know, and. And so we're praying and praying and praying, and uh, and and she says, "You know what, Pastor? I'm depressed." And so we start praying for her depression. And then we get out of the meeting, and and the pastor's just like, "We need to keep praying for her." And I said, "Yeah, we should." And he looks at me, and goes, "You know, you know she's a multimillionaire." I said, "What?" <laughs> I said, "You know." the one thing that could lift me out of depression would be a million dollars. I'm not going to lie. I think that'd do it for me. In fact, not even a million. I'll take a half. I'll take a quarter. I mean, that just blew me away. How do you have so much money and be depressed? You know what? Seeing with an eternal perspective. Life isn't summed up in just in money and things and materials. Because eternity is in here. This is where we live from. Number two, live as a foreigner. I was born in Detroit. Then we moved to Cincinnati. Then I moved back to Detroit. Then we moved to the Middle East. Then I moved to Seattle. Then I moved to Thailand. Then I moved back to Seattle. Then I moved to Tacoma. And now I live in Bakersfield. Yeah, that's right. There you go. And I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me that wonders, where is home for me? I've live, lived in so many places, never lived in a place more than a few, a few years really. I visited Detroit this summer and, 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 and in visits past, you know, I'll go and I'll look where I grew up and the neighborhood is in decline. The, the little pizza place and the candy shop is closed and gone. It's a parking garage now. All the the parks where we always used to play, there's no kids there anymore. It's all changed. Home was just gone. And I think, where did home go? I look at my family as they've aged. I think, where did home go? Where did home go? I believe that when we enter heaven and we enter eternity, we'll say, this is the land. I've been looking for all my life. Though I never knew it until now. The reason why I loved the old earth so much is because sometimes it looked a little like this. This earth has pinpricks of the wonderful place that we're going. The wonderful place that Jesus is coming for us to be with him. I think deep down, deep down, even if you've lived in Bakersfield all your life and you've got deep roots here, there's something in you that says, this is not my home. I'm going home. There is a home, a home that will last forever, that will not change. The pizza place will never close and the candy shop will always be open. That's a metaphor, by the way. Number three. Keep your focus on the Bible I often get asked is there anything that we take with us no when you're resurrected you're not resurrected in that body thank you Jesus I want to be six foot five when I'm resurrected <laughs> you you yeah. know, the, the, you know the, this this goes ashes to ashes dust the clothes are gone you know you our, our 401ks are gone our houses are gone I mean, all, all of that is gone What? What, so, what do we take? What is going to bridge this earth to the next? It's the Bible. The Bible is very clear. The one thing that heaven and earth will pass away, but the one thing that will not, lift it up right now, if you got one. That's never going away. That's going to last forever. You got it in your hands. Point number four Never lose hope. Never lose hope. The Israelites were wandering in that desert, following that cloud and following that fire. And then one day God says, I've got a promised land for you. And it's right over on the other side. All you got to do is rise up and take it. And they sent all these spies over there. And Joshua comes back and he says, we can beat them. We can do this. Caleb says, I scoped out a mountain and it's mine. We can do this. And you got the other 10 people saying, No, we can't do this. They're kind of tall. They're kind of strong. I don't know if this is going to happen. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And I see people doing that today where we wander in life. We wander. The promise is just on the other side of the mountain. The blessing of God is just on the other side of the mountain. But because of fear or addiction or whatever holds us back, we wander in the desert. And God allows us to wander in the desert. But the fact is, their promised land was the literal land of Israel. Our promised land is to be with Jesus on a new earth and a new heaven. And yet we get afraid, so we wander. I'd like to challenge you this morning. Stop wandering. End the addictions. End the fear. End the one foot in, one foot out. End the hesitation. End it. Leave no doubt in your heart this morning. I'm a follower of Jesus. And Jesus will come for me. And then I will come back with him. Bow your heads with me. In your heart, if it's time to just take that step, you know, I mean, I I understand it. You gotta think about for a while. I, you need to think about it. This is an important thing. Who you make as your God, who you who you trust, three seconds after we go from this life to the next, that's an important decision. And Jesus says, I will come for you. I will be there for you. Right now in your heart, say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I invite you into my heart. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. And I say, Jesus, come for me. Let me be one of those followers that returns to earth with you. When earth becomes the earth, we all know it can be. Say that right now in your heart and then say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's all you need to do. If you prayed that with me for the first time this morning or...